Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello and welcome back to Daily Doses of Wisdom. We are Andrea, Ainoa, Mami, and myself, Nicole. In our third podcast, we are going to talk about four different topics we hope all you enjoy. Let's start with our first topic. Emotional intelligence. And to explain this, I'm going to center in three main characteristics, definition, models, and application. As always, let's start with the definition. Uh, emotional intelligence refers to the process involved in the recognition, use, understanding, and management of ourselves, emotion, and others' emotion to solve problems and regulate behavior. Emotional intelligence refers to the individual's ability to reason about emotion and process emotional information to increase reasoning. This concept was introduced in the scientific literature in two articles published publishers in 1990. The first article was by Peter Salovey and John, John <coughs> Mayer. And now let's go with the second part, models. And we have to highlight three models that apply to our topic. The first one will be the four branches model of emotional intelligence by Salovey and Meyer. The model of Salovey and Meyer is composed composed by four stages of emotional capacities. Each one is constructed over the abilities based achieved in the previous stage. Perception and emotional identification. That is the ability to perceive emotions in ourselves, in other people, as well as in objects, music, history, art, and other stimuli. This process starts at the infant age. The thought, that is the ability to generate the use emotion and feel that these ones are necessary to communicate feelings or to use in other cognitive processes. Comprehension of emotion, that is the ability to comprehend emotional information, the way in which emotions are combined and while, while they progress they understand the meaning of the emotion. Emotional regulation, the ability to be open to feelings, give them shape in ourselves and others, with the goal of promoting the comprehension and the personal growing. So, so guys, show me you have understood this by naming an example. Well, according to this model, as I understand, it would mean like when I see someone in the streets skateboarding and it reminds me of when I used to do that and put a smile in my face. I associate skateboarding with a happy moment. I'm going to put an example of a happy memory too. Like when I see the drumsticks in my room and I associate with the time I used to play drums. And of course, it makes me happy. Well, guys, I'm going to put an example of a sad memory. For example, when I see a photo of my last trip, and it reminds me of a great time I had, but it also makes me sad because I'm not there anymore. 
Very good, guys. I see all of you got it. So let's move on with the next model, and that will be Goleman's model. Having emotional intelligence is the capacity to express emotion and feelings correctly. It's to assert and demonstrate love, hate, fear, anger, sadness, pleasure, etc. It is exposed and show what one feels and experiences in a proper and timely manner. Emotional intelligence is to understand the perspective of others and the rules of conduct. This model can be organized in five capacities. To know, to know our emotions and feelings. If you are sure of your own feelings, you will be more capable to manage your own life because you know what are your feelings feeling in different situations. One characteristic of this stage could be, for example, the confidence of yourself. The second capacity will be learn how to manage them from your own conscience. You have to be able to control your own feelings. One characteristic of this stage could be, for example, the control of yourself or the adaptability. The third capacity will be learn to create your own motivation. As you know how to control your own emotion, you will be able to keep your creativity and motivation up to the top. The fourth capacity will be learn how to recognize emotion in others. This stage give, gives more importance to the empathy because thanks to, the, to this we can understand what are the other needs. And lastly, but not less important, the fifth capacity, that is learn how to manage relationships. If you learn how to manage this capacity, you will know how to manage the relationship with others. So now the test guys, like before put me an example that can prove me that you understood this. A good example is to be optimistic, like when you don't know if you are going to pass or fail an exam, but you want to believe until the very last moment that there are opportunities, even if it's really difficult to pass. A good example would be the fear to be the leader in a group project, for example, especially when you realize that you are doing bad and probably you are not going to pass. My example would be recognition of feelings in others. Like when I see someone sad and I know and I always try to cheer them up. Uh, very good, guys. It is obvious that you got this perfectly. So let's go with the last model. And I hope you get this as well as the other ones. This model is based in five components in which at the same time there are different characteristics having in total 15 factors. The first component will be interpersonal which includes five, five factors will, that will be emotional self-awareness, assertiveness, self-esteem, self-realization and independence. The second component will be interpersonal which include empathy, interpersonal relationship and social responsibility. The third component will be adaptation which include solving problems, proof of reality and flexibility. The fourth component will be stress management which includes stress tolerance and impulses control. And the Last mod, the last component will be general mood, happiness and optimism. 
so now guys explain me a situation in which you use any of these components you can choose among those five intrapersonal interpersonal adaptation stress management and general mode but please choose one different than your colleague let's start with you danny i choose interpersonal and the situation would it, uh, would be when there is someone new in class and i see them all by themselves and not talking to others, I feel like going to talk to them and make them feel welcome. I might help them talk even if it is just one person. It's a small step, but in my opinion, very important. I'm going to put an example for stress management, like when I'm taking care of kids and sometimes they are distracted to pay any attention to me or do what I'm asking them to do. And, uh, and that situation can stress me, but instead of following my impulse of just leave the classroom, I try to find a way to control the situation, and I don't let that get to me. Then I will choose in, intrapersonal because it's the one I relate the most, especially independence, because I'm the one who knows me the best, and that means I know what I want, how I want, and the way I want it. Very good, guys. You have proven me you got the four models. Thank you so much for helping me with your examples. I think it has really helped to understand it. We will conclude the models with that. But is it really important to develop this? I mean, to me, it doesn't have the same importance as teaching maths. Well, thank you so much for asking me that. I was going to conclude my topic with application, and I think it can be helpful to make you change your mind on this. Since you are not alone with your opinion, the emotional intelligence on the educational field is only used in certain schools, but the emotional intelligence is very important to develop ourselves and in order to improve our relationship with others. We will emphasize on the benefits of using emotional intelligence and the problems of not do not use emotional intelligence related with impact that this could provoke on the children. The benefit of using emotional intelligence in the school is the progress of fully develop our capacities as a human being. As we said before, the emotional intelligence is a process that we develop during the years. We learn how to use our emotional intelligence, how to identify our emotions, and how to control them. Also, emotional intelligence is related with the success of the students in their careers. This is an empirically demonstrated study. At the age of infants, we have to help children to identify their emotions and how to control them. If we do not develop our emotional intelligence, we will have problems empathizing with others and recognizing and controlling our emotions, which we will create situations of frustration with ourselves and with our relations. Well, now you have given me something to think mm -hmm. about. I will definitely think this is something that, that should be implemented in every school. I hope it's something that will happen in the near future. And what about you guys? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I agree with you. It's something I hope we teach to every child in our early age. It could save us a lot of problems. I agree with you too. If we work emotions since we are little kids, it might mean having less bullies or misbehavior kids. 
which would it mean creating a good atmosphere in the school and everywhere? I have almost concluded with these topics. Uh, but before I finish, I would like to give um, pers people out there some tips in order to 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 work in this emotional intelligence. And since this is not something we only work in school or only home or only the person it herself or himself. For example, in school, um, one activity that is really working is yoga. There are some schools right now in, in around the world that use yoga instead instead of punishment, like detention, and it has his of its objective of help uh, helping children to know what they're feeling um when they have to a uh, conflict and how to control their anger he has uh, punishment has lost his effectiveness and now yoga is way more helpful for those kids at home we can develop emotional intelligence um, for example uh, we can as parents tell our children uh, a story uh, a stories and then we will have to ask them how they feel uh, in every part of the story and that way they will be able to identify that emotion uh, but this um, kind of intelligence uh, can be also develop as adults and one one activity that works um, for little children and adults can be mandalas and this has its objective by relaxing children and to keep them out of stress mandalas uh, are just uh, is helpful to paint them in order to relax the kids. It has proved the effectiveness that has uh, in every in every age. And now I have concluded this topic. I hope everyone enjoy and now Dan is going to explain his topic. So thank you so much. Cooperation is a phenomenon by which two or more people act sharing resources and or information and or moral support or of another type to reach their interests or someone else's. We find easy examples of cooperation in sport teams, research teams, study groups, etc. I have some questions for you girls. Do you think we are a group? Yes, I think we are. Uh, yeah, I agree too. I agree too. Yeah, and why do you say that or, or why not? Because we have the same goals and we are doing our work together. Uh, well, I think we are a group because we are working together and we have the same um, goal, that is uh, finish uh, all our projects together and most of all because we collaborate with each other and not argue. Uh, from my point of view, I think we are a group because we usually plan, divide it into parts and we have our same goal. Okay, um, what does it take for you, uh, for a group to be a group? Well, I think that the most important thing is to share the same objective and be able to accept different opinions. 
Uh, yeah, to be a group ma uh, mainly is just to have uh, the same goal so we can all work together to, in order to get it. Uh, it's group needs to cooperate and organization too. Hmm. And do we have an objective as a group in mind or are we stumbling in the dark? Well, we already have an objective which is to make this work in the best way and learn from it. Uh, yeah, I agree too. Uh, we have a goal that is to uh, finish uh, all our ass uh, assignments and do it the best we can col by collaborating uh, among us. I agree too. Yeah, uh, would you say we collaborate more than fight or the opposite? We collaborate more than fight. I don't think we actually fight. Uh, yeah, I agree again. We rarely fight. We always talk and just discuss, but in a calm way. Uh, so we don't have to argue or raise our voice. Yes, everybody wants to have high marks. So I think people will work and collaborate into the project. Mm. And do you think it, it, it is necessary for a group to fight before starting to collaborate? What? I think it's necessary is to talk before they take a decision. Nicole? I don't I wouldn't use the word fight more like talk before like Andrea said because it's really important to know what we are going to do, how we're going to do it and when are we are we going to do it because after all we are a team and all all of our opinions are the same importance. Hmm. I know. I agree with yeah. with both. Mm, that's pretty so, true. So yeah. thank you for your contributions. Characteristics. Cooperation characteristics. Positive interdependency. It refers to the premise for cooperation, where the group participants uh, shall feel that their needs will be not be fulfilled until the others' needs are fulfilled and vice versa. This arises a pseudo-feeling of responsibility in the members of the group for their partner's objectives, which eases mutual collaboration. Encouraging interaction. It is necessary for the group cohesion. It is defined as an attitude that move, moves its participants to behave in a wholesome way regarding the group for the common benefit. For that reason, they interchange resources, information, encouraging speeches, and what is necessary to provide an adequate group climate and be able to progress towards the go their goals. Individual responsibility. This gives sense to the idea that the summing of the parts are invaluable if the parts by themselves do not have value. Each group member contributes with what is in their hands so as to reach the group goals. That contribu contribution must be rec reckoned. In the same way, if someone does not enough efforts or, or the efforts are poorly used, the group should partly take responsibility for this and do, and do something about it. For this reason, the individual responsibility is more notorious if the, groups, if the group is less numerous because their personal identity cannot get blurred easily. Interpersonal abilities and that of the small groups. Interpersonal abilities are essential to reach to react uh, to the social environment. Therefore, they are necessary in the cooperative group not only to establish comprehension among them and assure a caring and peaceful and peaceful zone, but to assure a learning process of high quality and quantity. 
Group processing. This is the reflective characteristic. This is the feature which sorts out a group as efficient or crumbling. Here they are uh, revised the most recent practices of the members of the group in order to devise which practices are desirable and which are disposable. We, uh, we must not forget the relevance of positive reinforcement when the entire group as a whole achieves a partial goal or the global one. In this way, they will associate their success with a greater appreciation in, in group learning. Competition characteristics. Competition is a culturally patterned process. It is presented to some degree in all societies, but it differs greatly from society to society. The fiercely competitive Quakutal society, a tribe of North America, and the relatively non-competitive Sunni, a Pueblo Indian group of New Mexico society, offer an example of a striking contrast. American society, though competitive, yet this comp competition is sharply limited. Competition is imp impersonal. Impersonal means the competition is usually not directed against any individual or group in particular. Competition may be personal when the competitors know one another, but generally its nature is impersonal. 3. Competition is unconscious. Competition takes place on the unconscious level. Competitors, at many times, are not aware about other competitors, and even if they are, if they are aware, they do not pay any heed to the activities of their competitors. Candidates appearing for IS, IAS or any other competitive examination do not know one another and their whole attention is focused on their studies, reward or goal, rather than on competitors. Competition is universal. Competition, though an important characteristic feature of modern society, is found in all societies, primitive, traditional, modern or in prehistoric er eras and in every age. Competition is continuous. It's a never-ending process. It goes on consciously or unconsciously all the time. It is unstable and frequently yields either to cooperation or to conflict. Competition is restrained. It implies that there are rules of the game to which all competitors must follow. When the competitors break the rules or when it turns into cutthroat competition, unrestricted, the situation transforms into conflict. Competition is for scarce goods rewards. If the object of competition is in abundance, unlimited, quantity or suffi uh, sufficient in supply, there would be no competition. There is no competition for sunshine and air, which are, which are unlimited. Types. Types of cooperation. Direct cooperation. Those activities in which people do like, thing, do, uh, do like things together, play together, worship together, labor together in myriad ways. The essential character is that people do in company the things which they can also do separately or in isolation. They do them together because it brings social satisfaction. Indirect cooperation. Those activities in which people do definitely unlike tasks toward a single end. Here the famous principle of the division of labor is introduced, a principle that is embedded in the nature of social revealed, wherever people combine their difference uh, for mutual satisfaction or for a common end. 
Primary cooperation. It is found in primary groups such as family, neighborhood, friends, and so on. Here, there is an, an, an identity end. The rewards for which everyone works and are shared or meant to be shared with every other member in the group. Means and goals become one, for cooperation itself is a highly prized value. Secondary cooperation. It is the characteristic feature of the modern society, uh, civilized society and is found mainly in social groups. It is highly formalized and specialized. Each performs his her task and thus helps others to perform their task so that he she can separately enjoy the, the fruits of his her cooperation. Tertiary cooperation. It may be found between two or more political parties, castes, tribes, religious groups, etc. It is often called accommodation. The two groups may cooperate and work together for antagonistic goals. Types of competition. Personal competition. When two competitors contest for election to office, it is called personal competition. In this competition, competitors know each other. In personal competition, when contestants are not aware of one another's identity, as we find in university or civil, ser civil service examinations, it is called impersonal competition. Functions. Functions of cooperation. Cooperation is a universal phenomenon. It is so important in the life of an individual that according to Kropotnik, Kropotkin, it is difficult to survive with, without it. Mutual aid starts with cooperation in rearing of progeny and in the provision of protection and, and food. Even among the lowest animals, such as the ants and termites, cooperation is evident for survival. Among higher animals, also cooperation is apparent. Cooperation for human beings is both a psychological and social necessity. People learn their first lessons in cooperation as members of the family. Most of the individual and collective goals cannot be achieved without cooperation. It is needed at every step in our lives. If one does not cooperate with, with others, he is left to live a solitary life, tired of uh, which he is obliged to learn to cooperate with others. The physical, mental, and even the spiritual needs of the individual remain unsatisfied if he does not agree to cooperate with his fellow members. All the progress that mankind has made in the various fields is to be attributed to the cooperation spirit of the people. The, ast the astounding achievements of science and technology, the initial success of man in his flight to the moon, the, uh, the attempt to bridge the gulf between the standards of living of the highly developed and the most undeveloped countries, are, are, all are the results of human cooperation. So great is the real realization of the necessity of cooperation on the part of every nation in the solution of international problems that they are sparing no pains to secure it even at the risk of sacrificing some of their of this cherished convictions. Functions of competition it serves the function of allocating scarce rewards among the competitors. It has the additional function of stimulating both individual and group activity in a manner to increase the total productivity 
of the competitors. It furnishes motivation to excel or to obtain recognition or to achieve rewards. Reward. It assigns place to each individual in the hierarchical social system. It determines who is to perform what function. It tends to enhance one's ego and helps in satisfying it. It is conduct uh, conducive to progress and welfare of the society. It spurs individuals and groups to exert their best efforts to fulfill, the, fulfill their goals. It increases efficiency. In spite of these previous ones, competition has negative functions too. It shapes the attitudes of competitors when persons or groups compete. They normally develop unfriendly and unfavorable attitudes towards one another. It may turn into conflict if it is too acute and sharp, cutthroat competition. Unfair competition has the most disintegrating F effects on the individual and the society both. It may create emotional disturbances, according to H. T. Mathundar. It may lead to neurosis through frustration. A limited competition may lead to monopoly. People try to protect themselves through their association. Let's start. This topic is about what is communication, ways to communicate with the rest of the people, models, elements of communication, communication skills in the classroom, and some advantages about communication. Okay. Well, the first point is what is communication? So it's a process in which individuals exchange information, so message, news, ideas and feelings. Moreover, they share their thoughts. Communication helps us to connect people or places. People are able to communicate through a common system of symbols. The most common way to communicate are speaking, writing, visual image and body language. For example, if John has a good communication skills, he will have an ability to use language and express information he wanted. When someone wants to talk with another person, he has some goals like to change behavior because he or she doesn't like it, to get an action, to persuade, or to get and give more information about the topic. We can distinguish two kinds of communication. Verbal and non-verbal communication. Respect to the verbal communication is about oral and written communication. And respect to the non-verbal communication, there are four, four states like body language, for example, body gesture, sign language, symbols, visual and audio symbols, paralanguage, Volume, pitch language, speed and pause, and stress on words, and circumstantial language, space language, surrounding and time. There are several systems of communication like phones, telegraphs, computers, and television, for example, news, ATC. Nicole, do you think that it's important to communicate with other people and why? 
Uh, well, I think it's really important to communicate with other people because it can help us uh, open our minds and maybe get to know another person. It's really important because uh, everyone has a right to have friends and it's really important to have someone to rely on. Okay, thank you. And Danny, could you live without talking with the rest of the people? No, I couldn't because uh, based on my own experience uh, from the past, um, when I uh, remained like several days without talking to anybody just because I was depressed or something like that, um, it was really hard, for, uh, harmful for me. And like um, you have always to force yourself to talk to somebody and if you have a problem to talk to somebody and not just keep it to yourself because uh, in the long run, run it's worse, worse for you. Oh, Nani, thank you. And Andrea, do you know uh, some way to talk with a friend who lives in another country? Yes, for example, WhatsApp or Skype. I usually use these two options. Uh, what is Skype? It is a program which provides video chat and voice call service. Also, you can send pictures, videos and documents. Everyone can download on the smartphone or laptop and it provides. Okay, thank you. Guys, do you think television transmits good things to people? Uh, Nicole, for example. Uh, for example, the television is good because children can learn uh, another language if they read and listen. It is good in entertainment and you tell us facts uh, which occur in our planet. And Andrea, for you, um, it's, uh, the television transmits good things? Or not? Well, television, when children are young, it is not good for them because if the child watches many hours TV, it will be the image for him or her. Okay, thank you. And Danny, what is uh, your point of view about WhatsApp application? Well, I think it's a wonderful way to contact with other people, uh, but I think they have gone too far with the the like the um, status which you post like a um, photo uh, because usually uh, people would talk uh, through WhatsApp uh, and they would um, they would be doing uh, whatever they 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 want uh, to do but they don't want other people to to know that they are doing that for example when you're I don't know when you are just chilling in your sofa or when you are in your bed and you don't want people to know that you are there. But with these photos, it's like kind of invasive, in my opinion. Okay, thanks, Miriam, for your answer. And I'll finish with a great sentence. Communication, the human connection, is the key to personal and career success. Next point, we are going to talk about the models of communication. There are four discordant guys who think the different way about communication process. The first one model is called Laswell. This model is about process of communication and its function to society. He describes the communication act that is to answer the following question. Who says what? In which channel? To whom? And with what effect? Some advantages about this model are the following. It suits for the major types of communication and it's easy and simple method. And another 
two disadvantages are we don't know if there are noises or not, it's not mentioned, and neither uh, the feedback is, is not mentioned. So we don't know if the message has been has been arrived correctly or not if the message if if the message has has been understood correctly or not so it's necessary i think in the feedback uh, the second the second model is called Shannon Weaver this uh, in this model the main goal is to develop the effective communication between sender and receiver they found a relevant factor, noise, which can affect to any conversation. The third model is called Scrum. For Scrum, communication is like to share and participation with other people. The most important two steps in this model are encoding and decoding. Encoding means the part of the process which treats to convert data into information. Data is like a message. Moreover, it's really important feedback. Maybe you ask a question in Spanish, but the other guy is from England and he didn't know Spanish, so he only know English. The message is not understood. The main elements of of communication process are the followings sender, encoder, decoder, receiver, and noises. And the last model which I'm going to talk is Jacobson. First of all, Jacobson wanted to study the function of the language. For him, there are six communicate six function of communication with its own function. Okay. For example, the sender its function is expressive, context, referential function, the message, poetic function, channel, fatic function, the code, metalingual function, and the last one, receiver, a cognitive function. Now, I'm going to talk about elements of communication. There are many elements who take part in a communication process. I'm explaining and after that I will put on put on an example to understand it better. The first element is sender or also called source, which is the person who sends and initiated the message and the communication process. The second one is the message. This message must be complete, clear, cohesive and concise. The message is received and decoded by the receiver. The third element is called tunnel. Once the message is in the coded, the sender delivers the message through a tunnel, which may be verbal, non-verbal, personal, non-personal, or some combination of these categories. Sometimes, Messages cannot be decoded correctly because there are noises. There are two kinds of noises. Internal, own thoughts, prejudice or opinions. And external, 
radio outside noises etc. The fourth element is the destination or receiver, who who is a person that codes the message to his or her understanding. Okay. Mm, the five, the fifth element is feedback message. Is the final link of the communication process after receiver receiving a message. The receiver responds to the sender. Without feedback, the sender cannot confirm that the receive the receiver has interpreted the message correctly. Feedback is a key component in the communication process that allows the sender to evaluate the effectiveness of the message. And the last one and the last element is context. It's the environment in, in which the message is delivered. The context is extremely important to the effectiveness of communication. Now I'm going to put an example with my peers, Nicole and Andrea. The sender will be Nicole, for example. Hi Andrea, I would like to invite you to my party because it's, uh, it's on Saturday, it's my birthday. And I would love having you there. Uh, the message is Nicole wants to invite Andrea to her birthday party. And the channel, um, Nicole uses verbal communication because she's talking with her. Both girls can understand them because use the same symbol and language. The receiver will be Andrea. Oh, thank you, Nicole. I am glad to go to your party on Saturday. We will have a great time together, everybody. Okay, thank you. Uh, the feedback, uh, it will be both people confirm that they can understand because they have interpreted the message correctly. Both girls have understood the message. And finally, the context, Nicole and Andrea are coming back to their, uh, to their homes together. Well, I have done a list with future that teachers should have it. There is teachers' communication skills in the classroom. In society, human needs to communicate, to talk with other people. It's a basic need. Teachers need to be highly skilled in all these areas to excel in their profession. Good teachers communicate, concern and caring by their tone of voice and use their body language. When teachers know his students, he will be able to adapt the level of the content. Teachers should use verbal, visual and vocal tools when he's explaining something. Teachers have to establish a continuous conversation or contact with their students. For example, if a child doesn't pass a Spanish language exam, it's because maybe he had many wrong grammar. Teachers should tell him that he will improve and pass, and pass next exam if he starts reading a bit more than now, because through reading, his writing improved. Mm, from my point of view, moreover, um, when children work in groups, they learn how they can organize planning, cooperation, dialogue, listen to the rest of the group. There are many values when we work in groups. 
Danny, are you agree or disagree respect to work in groups? Well, I think it's a marvelous way to like interact uh, so that mm, the students can interact between them and also it's a fabulous way to um, develop your interpersonal abilities because that is they are essential uh, for you to progress uh, and to obtain success in your life because uh, communicating as we said earlier is, is a really important thing and really relevant to anyone who wants to be something in life. Oh, thank you for your opinion. So finally, everybody are going to say communication advantages. Guys, I would like to know what are the advantages about communication for you. Uh, for me, it will be better understand what others are saying. Save time and money. A sense of belonging. Uh, better organization. To inform. Immediate feedback. Uh, build a good relationship. Increase productivity. And better understanding of how to get your message across. Deeds to seek the company of other people. Affiliation is a positive, sometimes intimate, personal relationship. Affiliation can include concern over establishing, maintaining, or restoring a positive, effective relationship with another person. Heal and the multidimensional model. There are four reasons for affiliation. The first one is the positive stimulation. The second one is the emotional support. The third one is the compare with others. And the fourth one is the need for approval. For Chatster, we use affiliation to evaluate our reactions and achieve a cognitive clarity. For Rufe, we activate our sense of affiliation when we feel threatened. The need for affiliation is a term that was popularized by David McClelland and describes the person's need to feel a sense of involvement and belonging within a social group. McClelland's thinking was strongly influenced by the pioneering work of Henry Murray, who first identified underlying psychological human needs and motivational process. It was Murray who set out a taxonomy of needs, including achievement, power and affiliation, and placed this in the context of an integrated motivational model. People with a high need for affiliation require warm interpersonal relationships and approval from those with whom they have regular contact. Having a, having a strong bond with others make a person feel as if they are part of something important or something big that creates a powerful impact. People who place high emphasis on affiliation tend to be supportive team members, but may be less effective in leadership position. A person who takes part in a group, whether it be a mov movement or project, creates a push towards a sense of achievement and satisfaction for the individual and the whole. The need for affiliation for an individual can vary over short amounts of time. There are times when individuals wish to be with others and other times to be alone. In one study completed by Sean O'Connor and Lorne Rosenblut, beepers were distributed to the students. The students were then asked, asked to record uh, when their beepers went off, whether they want to be alone or if they want to be with others at that moment. This study was done to observe how frequently college students 
were in the presence of others and how frequently they were alone. The next step in this study asked for the students to record whether at the time their beeper went off they want to be alone or in the company of others. This response that they gave usually reflect which of the two situations they were experiencing the next time their beepers went off. The information retained from this study helped uh, to show the strength of an individual's need for affiliation. By showing how frequently they obtained the presence of others when they felt that it was that what they want at that moment, it showed how strong their need for affiliation was at that moment. Depending on the uh, specific circumstances, an individual's level of need for affiliation can become increased or decreased. Jacob Roth uh, suggests that the need for affiliation can depend on whether being with others will be useful for the situation or not. When the presence of other people was being helpful in relieving an individual from some of the negative aspects, of the stressor, an individual's desire to affiliate increased. However, if being with other with others may increase uh, the negative aspects, such as adding the possibility of embarrassment to the already present stressor, the individual's desire to affiliate with other decreases. Individuals are motivated to find and create an, a specific amount of social interactions. Everyone desires a different amount of a need for affiliation and they desire an optimal balance of time to their self and time is time is spent with others having a high need for affiliation probably sounds like an important part of a desirable personality many people after all would rather think of of themselves as being friendly than as gold or a steadship fish and there are some advantages to having a high need for affiliation Murray notes that people with a high need for affiliation try hard to, to make other people happy, which probably helps them build and maintain strong relationships. But there are also some disadvantages. People with high need for affiliation tend to be conforming uh, and may even go along with unwise choices made by people around them. Under some circumstances, people with a high need for affiliation may also have trouble getting their work done. They may put uh, such a high priority on socializing that they regret, neglect some of their other goals. Murray believed that the way people express their need for affiliation depends on other aspects of their personality. A person who is high in the need for affiliation and high in need for nurturance might be extremely kind, but a person who is high in the need for affiliation and high in the need for deference might be extremely compliant. In other words, a group of people who are all high in the need for affiliation might consist of people who are all outgoing, but they will differ in other ways according to their unique need profiles. So we can talk now about the interpersonal attraction, which is the desire to approach another person and have a relationship. It is the attraction between people which leads to friendships and to platonic or romantic relationships. Interpersonal attraction, the process, is distinct uh, from perceptions of physical attractiveness, which involves 
views of what is and what is not considered beautiful or attractive. Interpersonal attraction uh, is related to how much one likes, dislikes, or hates someone. It can be viewed as a force acting between two people that tends to draw them together and resist their separation. When measuring interpersonal attraction, one must refer to the qualities of the attracted as well as the qualities of the attractor to achieve predictive accuracy. It is suggested that to, to determine attraction, both the personalities and the situation must be considered. Repulsion is also a factor in the process of interpersonal attraction. One's conception of attraction to another can vary from extreme attraction to extreme repulsion. There are some factors that intervene on the interpersonal attraction, like physical attraction, which is the first and more crucial factor. The attraction is based on the physical aspect. We usually choose a mate with a good genes, like physical health, good appearance, because of the culture and the society. Another factor is the proximity. We used to relate with people close to us, geographically speaking. One proof of this is the mere exposure effect theory. It shows that we feel attraction with people if we see them repeatedly. Another one is the familiarity. We attract to familiar people because we think they they are safe people and we think they are unlike to arm us. We not only fix on people we already know, also in people with a familiar behavior. Another is the similarity. Also, we usually fix on people who are like us in age, race, religion, personality, education, intelligence, attitude. Another crucial factor is the reciprocity. We usually look at people who look at us. And also the personal characteristics. The personality is an important predictor of attraction. Spurcher confirmed that having similar interests, attitudes, values are a very strong way of attraction. The self-disclosure is also important. The way we talk and our conversation is also a very good factor of attraction. We can also talk about some cultural stereotypes that can be useful as some examples. What happens when collectivist, collectivist societies are compared to individualistic societies? Those collectivist societies tend to prefer an interdependent self rather than independent. An attractive person, no matter her or his race or ethnicity, is going to be more approved than another person. Physically attractive. For North Americans, for example, positive stereotypes include being assertive, dominant and strong. For Koreans, another example, positive stereotypes include being empathic, generous, sensitive, honest. We tend to search for people that we know we like them. Byron and Clore propose a reinforcement effect model. Humans can associate another person with other positive or negative aspects of the immediate environment. We choose others to form relationships who have the same level of appeal as us. According to Gibbons, there are four signs that show that someone is attracted to another person. The first one is the rounded shoulder, the second one is the feet inward, the third one is the palms raising up, and the fourth one is the arch front. The attachment is important. The link of attachment ensures their survival, gives them security, self-esteem, possibility of privilege and emotional communication. 
there are some diverse types of attachment. Secure, which consists in trusting others, not worry about being abandoned, find it easy to be close to others, uh, comfortable being dependent on others. Uh, the second one is avoidant, which consists in suppression of attachment needs, uncomfortable when close to others, find it difficult to trust in others. And the third one is the ancients, which consists in feel that a close partner does not really offer love or may leave. We can really talk about love too, because it is also important. It is, com it is a combination of emotions, cognitions and behaviors that can be involved uh, in intimate relationships. Fair and types of love, simple, companion love or passionate love and complex. People bring uh, various ideals into a love relationship that can impact how they might develop. Clark and Groth have used the theory of equity based on benefits and cost for actions that help or hinder a relationship. Benefits help and cost make it difficult. Adamson Jones points out three factors that contribute to a continuing relationship. The first one is the personal dedication, the second one is the moral commitment, and the third one is the constraint commitment. Levinier points out four factors that represent the end of a relationship. A new life, alternative partners, expectations to fail, lack of commitment. Roswald and Sam Brott thought that the consequences were loyalty and curliness. So we already mentioned some theories about this topic, but we need to talk about the next ones too. The social exchange theory. Uh, people's feelings toward a potential partner are dependent on their perception of rewards and costs, the kind of relationship they deserve, and their likelihood for having a healthy relationship with someone else. Rewards are the part of a relationship that makes it worthwhile and enjoyable. A cost is something that can cause irritation, like a friend overstaying his welcome. Comparison level is also considered during a relationship. This suggests that people expect, expect rewards or costs depending on the time invested in the relationship. If the level of expected rewards is minimal and the level of cost is high, the relationship suffers and both parties may become dissatisfied and, and, and happy. Lastly, the comparison of alternative means that satisfaction is conditional on the chance that a person could replace the relationship with a more desirable one. Now let's talk about the evolutionary theory. The evolutionary theory of human interpersonal attraction states that opposite sex uh, attraction most often occurs uh, when, uh, when someone has physical features indicating that he or she is very fertile. Considering that one primary purpose of conjugal romantic relationships is reproduction, it will follow that people invest in partners who appear very fertile, increasing that uh, the chains of their genes uh, being passed down to the next generation. This theory has been criticized because it does not explain relationships between same-sex couples or couples who do not want uh, children. Also, this may have something to do with the fact that whether one wants children or not, one is still subject to the evolutionary force which produced them. Another evolutionary explanation suggests that fertility in a mate is of a greater importance to men than to women. 
According to this theory, a woman places significant emphasis on a man's ability to provide resources and protection, both of which are important for successfully raising offspring. The ability to provide resources and protection might also be sought because the underlying traits are likely to be passed on to male offspring. Critics of this theory point out that most genes are autosomal and non-sex linked. Evolutionary theory also suggests that people whose physical features suggest that they are healthy and are more attractive. The theory suggests that a healthy maid is more likely to possess genetic traits related to health that will be passed on to offspring. People's tendency to consider people with facial symmetry more attractive than those with less symmetrical faces is one example. However, a test was conducted that found that perfectly symmetrical faces were less attractive than normal faces. According to this study, the exact ratio of symmetric, symmetric to asymmetric facial features depicting the highest attraction is until under and undetermined. It has also been suggested that people are attracted to face like their own, as we already mentioned before. We can also talk about breaking up. Relationship uh, breakup is the ending of a relationship, whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship. There are several reasons that a relationship may come to an end. One reason derives from the equity theory. If a person in the relationship feels that the personal cost of being in the relationship outweighs the rewards, there is a strong chance that he or she will end the relationship. For instance, the cost uh, may outweigh the rewards due to guilt and shame. And now that all the information is explained, I am going to need some help from you guys. Do you want to help me? Yes, sure. Yes, we would like to do that. For sure. Okay, thank you guys. We can start with a question that I found very interesting. I want you to be honest with me. So, can someone tell me about what is attraction and what is attractive? Well, from my point of view, I can answer that. For me, attraction is, as you already said, the desire to approach another person you have a relationship. Physical attraction is important, but I found the intelligence of a person very attractive. It doesn't matter if someone has a super body, uh, if he's not an intelligent person. At the end, what you see is a body, but uh, what really matters to me is the way that person is. As I read sometimes, we are not bodies, but, uh, but uh, with souls. Uh, we are souls with bodies. When I speak about intelligence, I am not referring to how much that person knows about science or humanities. Uh, that actually helps, but I refer to common intelligence, like common sense. Okay, that was a conclusive answer. Thank you, Danny. Some of you have something else to say, or do you have the same ideas? Well, I don't have the same ideas exactly, but I agree with what Danny said about bodies and souls. It is true for me. We are souls with body, but for me, the aspect of those bodies is really important. What, are, what you see first is the body. To know the soul is more difficult. It is super easy to have some ideas just for the body. I mean, I agree with Danny, but I'm being realistic, and what you first like is the body. Sometimes the mental attra attraction is not enough. Physical attraction is extremely important. 
That's okay. Thank you too, Nicole. And now let's talk about the affiliation. Somebody can repeat what affiliation is? Yes, I can. I really found the part interesting. Affiliation is a basic human tendency that leads to seek the company of other people. We need affiliation. Belong to, to a group is important too. That doesn't mean that we don't like to be alone sometimes. There is a lot of people in the world and not everybody is equally social. But we as social beings need, so, need social contact. That was good. Thank you, I know. You're right. Okay, and somebody remember the factors that intervene on the interpersonal attraction? Yes, I remember that ones. They are physical attraction, proximity, familiarity, similarity, reciprocity, uh, personal characteristics, the culture, and the society. Exactly. Thank you again, Danny. Well, I think that is enough. Thank you so much, guys. That was great. You're welcome. That was fine. Yeah, that was interesting. Thank you, too.